Hello and welcome to Yudcast, episode 92. This is Head of School Dan Glass with you once again, recording live in the Sound Lab here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco. It's good to be with you. We have some sun on this Thursday. Sun is back here in San Francisco. The atmospheric rivers have parted and uh, allowed some sunshine to shine on in. Uh, So we're going to start this week with a poem, uh, as we start every week with a poem. This is, uh, again, continuing forward the um, intention this year of focusing my reading and therefore our reading on writing by uh, women of color or uh, maybe given all the thinking that we have been doing around gender and gender identity Uh, and different expressions of gender identity, Um, perhaps I should say uh, writing by non-male people of color. Um, uh, One of the books I've been reading recently is is by um, uh, someone who uses the pronoun they, um, uh, does not identify as male, but I'm not sure that uh, uh, they would identify as a woman either. So anyway, I was thinking about these questions uh, this past week and doing some writing. But um, today I wanted to uh, share uh, two sections from a slightly longer piece uh, by Banu Kapil. Uh, Banu Kapil is a a British um, Indian writer. Uh, someone who I had the good fortune of crossing paths with along the way um, at one point when I was um, uh, editing and publishing a poetry journal called Withstand. Um, And I uh, published some of her work in in one of the issues. This is um, a poem called Wish Two, and I'm going to read the first and the last sections from it. It's a prose poem, so as you're listening to this, imagine it uh, without without, um, line breaks in it, because it does not have line breaks. One, but I was thinking today about our conversation earlier in the summer. Exhausted, you lay your head on the kitchen table and said, but what's the difference between a monster and a cyborg? I need something to eat. Do you have any chocolate? Opening the fridge, I said quietly and perhaps too seriously, trying to impress you. The monster is that being who refuses to adapt to her circumstances, her fate, her body, Great Britain. You said, so is Lalu English or British? I said, she's from London. But the more I said London, the more it sounded like a joke. London, London, London. Five. I walk towards the sound of something roaring in a day, the kind of day that is like darkness but lit up on its forested proximal verge by gorse, which is a bright yellow flower, citron yellow and a kind of tin or silver roofing with holes in it, the day, like walking in a dreamed landscape drenched with the wrong rain, monsoon. What kind of rain is this? I recognize the immensity but not the temperature. This was monstrous, the inability to assimilate 
on the level of the senses, an ordinary experience of weather. Here is the tongue, for example, constantly darting out to feel the air. What is it? Is it summer? Is it a different season? It's a different day. That's okay. Damaged from her travels, in some sense unsettled, enormously, enormously anxious, a girl does it anyway, gets up and goes. It's as if the day has a memory of her and not the other way around. Um, I really love that piece. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, thought I would share it with you guys. I was thinking some this week about, um, belonging and I like that meditation on identity and belonging, um, in that poem. Uh, and it's something that we've been thinking about a lot here at Brandeis in terms of, um, how do you create a truly inclusive uh, and welcoming community, both at the level of our students, at the level of the classrooms, um, but also at the level of the school as well? Um, what does it mean to make um, people coming from really diverse um, life experiences and backgrounds um, feel a shared connection um, in, in, a, in a community, in a school? And uh, anyway, thought of that that piece um, uh, and its uh, meditation on, um, you know, the, the weather in Great Britain as different from India and, and the sort of sensory experience of cold rain versus warm rain, the difference of when rain comes in the annual cycle and the, the sort of alienation from the bodily experience of weather as a kind of analog for an alienation uh, from a, a new country, a new um, environment in that way. So uh, this week, I just wanted to share a brief anecdote. We had um, last night this really great um, uh, admissions event where we um, every year uh, for you know a few nights we'll at, gather at different homes and invite prospective families to come meet current Brandeis families and um, you know we'll usually have some sort of broad theme and we'll talk a little bit and there's a lot of hanging out and schmoozing and getting to know one another um, and last night in addition to uh, the prospective families and, and some of our current families we were also joined by a pair of uh, Brandeis alums and at a certain point in the evening, the lot of us crowded into one side of this house, and we shared stories about what Brandeis has meant to us and our families, the inclusive and welcoming approach to Jewish life, the support for one another in difficult times, and the challenging and loving academic environment where students are known for who they are. The theme of the evening was ethically fluent and spiritually grounded kids, and so Tanya, our admissions director, invited our recent alums to speak about what that theme, what those ideas meant to them. Each of them talked about having a sense of clear identity and their own moral compass, and about how as a freshman and sophomore at Lick Wilmerding and University High Schools, excuse me, that sense of self was a real boon. After some additional conversation, one prospective parent asked a follow-up question to both girls. 
would they unpack what they meant by a moral compass? Um, and I, I have to say, I love when parents do this because I think they often imagine that follow-up questions are a way to sort of like penetrate a veil of uh, preparation, right? That we're uh, spending a lot of time rehearsing answers with um, the student panels that we put up in front of them or uh, or whatever it may be. And of course, you know, that's far from the truth. We, um, you know, we, we put our students in front of prospective families because uh, we know how thoughtful and articulate they are um, and trust that, that they will have interesting things to say regardless of the question. Um, but in any case, this, this prospective parent asked uh, the follow-up question. And, uh, you know, I thought the, that both uh, Joya and Isabella um, gave really profound, honest, thoughtful answers. Um, Isabella, who's in 10th grade, spoke of having a sense of self, that knowing who she is and what she sees as right and wrong helps her navigate a high-stress high school environment. Um, and that she she feels like she um, has a different kind of groundedness than some of her peers by virtue of that sense of self. Uh, Joya, who's in ninth grade, um, agreed with Isabella, but added confidence uh, to the story, sharing that for her, being confident in her own sense of what is right helps her make decisions for herself rather than feeling pressured by a group to follow what everyone else is doing. And uh, it, it was kind of a, um, a mic drop moment after the two girls spoke because, you know, what more could you hope for for um, adolescents in general, perhaps adolescent girls in particular, um, you know, to feel clear in their sense of, um, of themselves and their sense of what is right and wrong in the world and to feel so clear in that, in fact, that they um, feel less uh, the, the pressure um, that so defines many um, adolescent social environments. So um, uh, to the words of Isabella and Joya, um, you know, all I can say is amen. May it be so, not just for those two wonderful graduates, but for all of our students. Um, and of course, I shared with the gathered folks there that those their two descriptions of um, uh, of what their moral compass is and what that means to them um, is really in keeping with the the research of Dr. Lisa Miller at Columbia University, who's been studying the impact of uh, spiritual identity on um, children and on um, adolescents. And one of her big findings is that. Uh, the 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 research across the board, and she's done these lit reviews on this, really shows that um, uh, young people who have a, an authentic sense of a spiritual identity, um, regardless of the content of that identity, as long as it's true to them, um, that they uh, are less likely to engage in risky behaviors uh, in terms of risky sexual behaviors, drug and alcohol abuse, um, uh, that they are less likely to experience the um, effects of uh, adolescent onset mental health disorders, um, that they are, uh, you know, that there's sort of all these ways that they're just um, uh, 
socially and emotionally healthier. Um, and it's why we've aligned our social, emotional, and spiritual learning programs here at Brandeis. But it, it's definitely very affirming to see it and hear it from uh, uh, such accomplished graduates as we did last night. So with that, I wish all of you your own weekends full of moral clarity. Uh, Shabbat Shalom to any of you listening on Shabbat. I hope you have a restful uh, weekend ahead, and uh, we will look forward to being back with you here on the Yudcast next week.